is Ed McMahon. And now, here's Armstrong and Getty. You can see uh, music radio guys threaten their lives. I've found that opening with a death threat really makes the conversation go swimmingly. Uh, everything I printed for the show has disappeared off the printer, I think. Uh. Maybe somebody snagged it thinking it was theirs. I mean, everything. Everything. Live from Studio C, senor. Deep within the dirty, stinking bowels of the Armstrong and Getty Information Complex, this is the Armstrong and Getty Show. Live for this Thursday, November 29th, the year of our Lord, 2018. This morning, under the tutelage of General Manager... Wars, current and impending. Hmm. You know us, we're, nat- we're international relations freaks. And I'm really, I'm perplexed by the, the Senate's actions talking about the war in Yemen and Saudi Arabia and all. I know nobody cares, but I'm, I'm into it. And also, Vlad Putin poking his finger in the chest of the poor Ukrainians. Uh, that could turn into something, something ugly. And uh, is being, to me, terribly misreported, like most stories are uh, most every day. But... Before external conflict, how about internal love and brotherhood? Let's introduce everyone on the squad. Beginning with the guy pushing the buttons and pulling the levers and then making the show run, it's Michelangelo. Hello, Michael. Hey, good morning. I'm going to do my best. I kept getting woken up last night, whether in my area where I live, you know, as weather conditions are different, so don't, you know. But <laughs> That's right. They vary by Check region. Your local yeah, do not call your general manager. Um, <laughs> but I had heavy rain and wind, and that was waking me up. And then there's a, like, 16-year-old, maybe 15, 16, 15-year-old girl who decides she's going to go skateboarding at 1.30 in the morning and starts going around my house. I think she's sneaking out of the house is what she's what? doing. Yeah. Wow. So that wakes me up, the skateboard. You know, so I'm woken up by the skateboard. I'm woken up by the rain. Then I have a cat wake me up because it starts meowing. I've got to shut. Anyway. It's just, just is it a your long cat night. or like an external It's the girlfriend's cat. cat and the oh, cat had to go to the bathroom. Oh, I yeah. shut the door and so the cat couldn't go. And so... She let me know that she couldn't go. Oh boy! You know, there's a, there's a there's a bright line dividing one chunk of humanity from my chunk, and it's and a lot of you are on the other side of the line, and and a lot of people I really know and like, and it's cool. I try not to judge, but you people who not only tolerate your pets sleeping with you, but <laughs> tolerate them waking you up a lot. To say no blanking way that's ever going to happen isn't a strong enough statement. (laughs) I would as soon, I don't know, 
you know, switch what team I play for, right. if you know what I mean. Now, over the years, I'd start dating guys <laughs> before I'd oh, have some noisy, wow. licking... She's a sweet cat. Growl. Mm-hmm. I, I don't care if it's a talking cat. No cat is going to be in my bed waking me up. No way. I will set myself on fire before I allow some animal to wake me up over and over again. Maybe it's because I'm right. chronically short of sleep. But. I confess the cat sleeps in the bed on her side. Oh, oh my God. Oh. You're going, oh, please. Turn your card. Turn oh, your man's card in. Yes. Turn it in right it now. now. Oh. I don't sleep with the cat. She sleeps uh-huh. with the cat. Uh-huh. You'd think you could simply uh, go to the central computer and invalidate your man card yes. number, but you live in right. California where the government can't do anything right. So, uh, Let's see. It's positive. Sean, his smile lights up the, uh, the room. Hello, Sean. How are you? Uh, doing very well. Uh, pleased to announce that uh, uh, another update to the Positive Sean blog. This is another look at the Positive Sean portfolio, or PSP, as it sometimes hashtag trends on Twitter. Your, <laughs> your stock portfolio. Yes, my stock portfolio. Yes. Uh, and as of right now, once again, this is yet to be paywalled. So the, this fantastic <laughs> investing insight oh, wow. is available for free. So you can go there. You can check out my portfolio. I got all sorts of charts. I got my projections chart. I got pie charts. All, pie chart. all sorts. Yes. Stuff. Uh, so, yeah, check it out, Positive Sean Portfolio. Uh, I don't have an editor. If I misspelled something, just tweet me. Let me know. I'll go in and fix it. Boy, the uh, the market skyrocketed yesterday. It was yep. astounding. It was a good day. Although I hear the futures are down today. It goes yeah, up, it bit. goes down. Historically, it goes up. Just settle down. That's my advice to you. Uh, Marshall Phillips, our esteemed newsman. Marshall, good morning. Good morning. Something to celebrate today. A couple of celebrity birthdays. Now, oh. this this one I'm very pleased about. I really like this man. Academy Award winning film producer and screenwriter Joel Cohn is 64. Of the brothers' fame? Yes. Of the Cohn brothers. Fabulous. I admire their work a great deal. Although their their, their recent thing, the Ballad of What's This? Yeah, yeah. the Ballad of Buster Scruggs. Oh, yeah. I was so excited about that. But you, both you and Jack thought it was... Uh... Starts off great. Yes. There are fantastic moments. But yeah. ultimately, it's a collection of about six short stories, and some are just better than the others. Right. Oh, okay. Well, maybe I will uh, go yeah. to that. Yeah, I'll well, check it out. The, the, especially, Would you say for a Coen Brothers fan, just do it? Go yes, ahead. It's, absolutely. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Yeah, no Country for Old Men, Fargo, The Big Lebowski, Raising Arizona, Oh Brother, Where Art Thou? What a string of great movies. Many of my favorite uh, movies and works of fiction yeah. of all time. Joel, by the way, and Barton Fink. Well, oh, yeah. Utterly mystifying, but brilliant. I had never seen that movie. And and so if you're utterly mystified, just watch it again. All right. And once you get up to 11, 12 times uh, <laughs> and you still don't get it. You should be about 12% comprehension yeah. after yeah. about 10 watches. I, I, I will rant and rave about people who sleep with their pets and let them wake you up. I will not rant and rave about people who do not get Barton Fink. <laughs> it is a head scratcher. I finally got it. Yeah. Uh, but it's uh, and it's brilliant. But, you know, it's like Indian food. You know, maybe you just don't like Indian food. It's okay. That doesn't make you a bad person. Joel's net worth, by the way, a cool $120 million. And actor, comedian, and TV personality, and famous uh, non-shaker of anyone's hands. Howie Mandel, 63 years old. I didn't know he was a like a germaphobe. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. Yeah, okay. Yeah, maybe a fist bump if you're lucky. He's one of the judges on America's Got Talent right now. His net worth is $40 million. Hmm. Howie gets $70,000 per episode of America's Got Talent to wow. sit there and judge and make a couple of witty comments. 
Howie Mandel back in his stand-up days was about as funny as you could ever see. Yeah, I'm not sure I ever caught much of his act. I don't think I ever did either. He was hilarious. Getting back to the Coen brothers, how great a movie is Raising Arizona? Oh, yeah. Was that their first feature? It's a, I don't want to go no, all blood, cone. Blood simple, I think, technically, yeah. is their first okay. Yeah, I don't want to go all cone freak on everybody, but if you've never seen Raising Arizona, it is hilarious, brilliant, yes. quirky, charming. Yes. Yeah, it's just absolutely fabulous. And and it, it, it makes you hate Nicolas Cage substantially <laughs> less. Yeah, yeah, that's true. You remind yourself that, oh, right, you know, he is kind of a, yeah, all right. Yeah, back in the day he had talent. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. Well, he still has talent, yeah. but that's just, he, he, if you show up with a checkbook and a script, yes. he wants to look at the check, not the script. Yeah. I think that's the Nick yeah. Cage Have you story. seen some of the stories on how he just buys, like, random dinosaur skulls? And oh, yeah. Like... <laughs> yeah. He, he is a guy who was equipped with the money. Well, he, he, he is he's the jacko of the big screen. He has enormous amounts of money and no self-control. Right. And, and just... A childlike enthusiasm for everything. I believe he's a Coppola by birth, right? Uh, yeah, yeah. Be. yeah, he's a right. cousin, nephew. I think he's a nephew. I think he's a nephew. Take it. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, I got nieces and nephews, and they don't have my money. So I don't know <laughs> if that did him any good. But, yeah, he's uh, spent himself into uh, near bankruptcy, right? Yes, correct. Yeah, okay. All right, well, that's enough about Nicolas Cage, the Coen brothers, and... Howie Mandel for one day. <laughs> Let's move on now and uh, begin the show officially according to FCC rules and regs. Here we go at Mark. Rudolph, red reindeer. Oh. Had a very shiny nose. Yeah. Is that? Is that Captain Kirk? Yes, it is. to simultaneously love and hate something. Oh, well, so then, uh, I think we can presume that ZZ Top playing the background track. Is it? I don't know. I shall find out that more. That was one of the best and worst things I've ever heard. <laughs> that was amazing. I think that's art. That's what art is. Yes, indeed. That was the Barton Think of Christmas music. I'm perplexed, confused, troubled, saddened, yet I loved it. And amazed. Marshall Phillips, what headlines do you have for us? Major development in human gene editing. Trump, not going to rule out a Manafort pardon. And it turns out we're not living as long as we used to. Stories coming up minutes from now. I almost had a fatal heart attack yesterday. The, the head about exploded. Oh. I tell you what. I don't know. I don't know. I need a guru or a drink or something. Or, both. <laughs> uh, or a person. You know what I need is a personal assistant. I really do. It's going to be a lot of harassment. Let's get that up front. <laughs> all right? <laughs> Sexual. Just, you know. Oh, my. Uh, of every sort. Oh, every right. sort. What are you wearing? Why are you wearing that? That's, you know, just really unpleasant. Really like a Dickens thing. It's going to be like <laughs> where Oliver Twist worked. <laughs> right. 
All right, that's enough of that. We have mailbag in moments, especially if we can find where it went since I printed it. And a great deal more. It's the Armstrong and Getty Show. Armstrong and Getty. The conscience of the nation. The Armstrong and Getty Show. Good morning. Welcome. A lot of good stuff for you this morning. Big developments in the world of tech. Not only, uh, you know, the, the big companies and what they're after and what they're doing, but more discoveries about... What some of this stuff is doing to our brains, and is there any hope that we'll figure that out before we are turned into weird, twitchy, stressed-out, anxiety-prone, suicidal uh, wackadoos by our devices? Uh, A lot of good stuff, plus, of course, the politics of the day in the news right now, mailbag. First of all, your freedom-loving quote of the day, it's from no other than Lysander Spooner. Lived uh, most of the 1800s, American political philosopher, essayist. Like Big Spoon or Little Spoon? Uh, Lysander Spooner, he was the inventor of lying with your front against your loved one's back. Underrated. Not named after the utensil, but after this man. Few people realize that. Is it underrated? It's great. Uh, And here's what he said. That no government so-called can reasonably be trusted or reasonably be supposed to have an honest purpose in view any longer than it depends wholly on voluntary support. As usual, your old-timey guys use a lot of fancy words and long sentences. What he's trying to say is once the government is so powerful... It's self-sustaining whether it's any good or not. You're doomed. It's only to be trusted as long as it wholly depends on voluntary support. And how did he say it with his pretty language? That no government so-called can reasonably be trusted or reasonably be supposed to have honest purposes in view any longer than it depends wholly upon voluntary support. Um... He also, uh, his most famous writing includes the seminal abolitionist book, The Unconstitutionality of Slavery. Uh, Let's see. uh, Also, a uh, a note thrown in by Ben the Libertarian. I 100% support you saying big tech companies are doing messed up things because they are and they do. But so is the United States government. The big difference is that the United States government uses force to do what they do and makes you pay for the privilege of them doing it. It's absolutely true. Giant bureaucracies do evil stuff. They always have, and they always will. I'm not a nut. I'm not a radical. I'm a guy who studied history. The danger to you and yours and what you hold dear is not from the outside. It's from the inside. It's always been true. It's why the Constitution is written the way it is, to protect you, not from China, although that's a great topic. The Constitution was not written to protect you from Vladimir Putin. The Constitution was not written to protect you from the devil. The Constitution was written to protect you from the government. Moving along. Uh, We mentioned yesterday uh, that uh, our former uh, producer, Dominic Brasha, passed away and uh, talked about him and his quote-unquote legacy, his contributions to the show, and also the fact that he was... uh, 
Hmm. A troubled individual and very dangerous to be around in a lot of ways. Um, not like he, he he played with explosives or robbed banks or anything like that. Just there was always like serious, could ruin careers drama going on all the time. Uh, and we got you know we got a lot of emails about people who remembered the, the good and and several people who had personal uh, interactions with them. Um, and and I I find no I see no reason to speak ill of dead. Um, but he was a dangerous guy to be around. In a lot of different ways. Um, but anyway, we got this note from Holly. Can you please ask Michael to play the Dominic the Donkey song as a memorial gesture? The song is so fitting for him because it makes you cringe and laugh at the same time. Hey, jing-a-dee-jing. It's Dominic the Donkey. jing a jing The Italian Christmas donkey. La-la-la. Oh, yeah. That's nice, isn't it? We... <laughs> When he would do something that would annoy me in particular, I would say, play the song! <laughs> and we would play it! Hey, jing-a-dee-jing, it's Dominic the donkey, jing-a-dee-jing, the Italian Christmas donkey. I really enjoy this song because uh, the guy says donkey uh, most of the time, which, uh, and my dad was uh, born and raised in the New York metro area, and um, and he would say donkey, too. I think he, my dad is still with us, thank God, but in fact, he just celebrated his birthday. But I believe he says donkey now. Donkey. Uh, let's see. A literal shower thought from Brittany in beautiful hilly Loomis, California. Guys, I was literally in the shower. You were talking about being a triple agent. Yeah, we were talking about Paul Manafort. Whether he's, is he an informer? Is he working for Trump? Is he working for Trump even as he's an informer? What, what, what's going on? And how Joe, me, would have needed post-its everywhere to keep up with the lies. It's you know it's funny it's a blessing and a curse of my life I, my memory does just it doesn't work like normal people's um, or so I've gathered I can never remember who I'm supposed to be mad at or who said what or who screwed us or yeah it's some of the big screwings I remember trust me but you know the the little slights I just don't even remember them um, and it's a, it's a blessing and a curse. There are times that we'll be talking about a topic and somebody will say, well, yeah, that senator, remember, he was the one who blank. And I I won't remember until I'm reminded. So it's kind of a curse in that way. But in terms of relationships, I have to be honest in all my relationships. I mean, painstakingly honest because I can't remember my own lies. I have no idea what I said last week. But the good news is when you are are reminded of those who have wronged you, yes. you get red hot oh, real fast. Oh, I'm willing to exact terrible revenge. Terrible, cruel revenge. I just have to be reminded. <laughs> anyway, uh, let's see. Oh, uh, Brittany. Back to Brittany's note. She says, I couldn't help but think of my younger brother during his early teen years. Triple agenting me versus my mom versus my dad. Anyway, Owen, too. Um, and she points out, read the idiotic long-time no-see discussion. Now, it's a, got to Chinese origin. is therefore racist to say. Um, aren't we getting close to baby name limitations? I mean, a white girl named Leilani because it's Hawaiian or Isabella? That's Hispanic. I guess Heidi is still fine, though, because, you know, all whites are just white no matter where they come from. But you're right, yeah, names is cultural appropriation. How dare you? Oh, it's so stupid. Oh, man, we have a lot more great emails. Maybe we'll do a little bonus mailbag in a couple of minutes. We've got a great note from uh, Jens in Colorado about Millard Fillmore. I wish we'd have gotten to that, but... 
Quick break. Marshall has the news next. Armstrong and Getty Show. Who is more likely to patronize minorities? Talk down to minorities. Uh, Liberals or conservatives? Bastions of liberalism, Yale, and was it Harvard? I have it in front of me. Uh, Study this question, and their answer will shock you. If you haven't been listening to the Armstrong and Getty Show for years, when I've been explaining to you how I believe a great deal of progressivism is incredibly patronizing to people of color and exploitive and dishonest. But, you know, that's the, I'm entitled to my opinion. You're entitled to yours. Marshall Phillips has our news before we get to that. Marshall? Word out of China this morning. The government there has ordered a halt to all the work by the medical team that claimed to have helped make the world's first gene-edited babies. China! The vice minister of science and technology saying his ministry is strongly opposed to the efforts that reportedly produced twin girls born earlier this month. You can't believe a damn thing the Chinese regime says. It's entirely possible. Well, gosh, I can't even get the words out of my mouth. I'll tell you what I was going to say. It's entirely possible they are actually really against this. Although I doubt it. They do all sorts of horrendous stuff. I think it's more likely they're against this guy shooting off his mouth. Prematurely, without the permission of the regime. You're talking about researcher J.K. Hay, who uh, managed to uh, do Researcher and DJ, J.K. Hay in the morning. He claims to have altered the DNA of the twins to try to make them resistant to infection with the AIDS virus. Switching gears, President and the First Lady are flying off to Argentina today. They're going for the G20 summit, where the President has side meetings planned with Turkey's Erdogan, Japan's Abe, and Russia's Putin, amongst others. Now, before leaving, President Trump did an interview with the New York Post, saying he won't rule out pardoning his former campaign chief, Paul Manafort. In the interview, Trump, uh, when asked about a pardon, said, It was never discussed, but I wouldn't take it off the table. Why would I take it off the table? And that has stirred up a lot of comment about the president's offer to Manafort that he might extend a pardon to him. Yeah, I'm sure I will uh, reveal our hypocrisy in saying this uh, before too long because we do talk a fair amount about national politics. But the the obsession with the Capitol, it, it almost it reminds me of like a fundamentalist religion in a way. Everybody is just constantly talking about Washington, 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 Washington. And, and specifically, you know, what happens within the federal government when there is so much more to life and there's supposed to be so much more to governance than that. The obsession with D.C. is incredibly unhealthy. They're not going to solve your problems. They're not your God. They're not your savior. They're not your friend. Meanwhile, senators are sending a message about wanting to punish Saudi Arabia for the murder of the Washington Post columnist Jamal Khashoggi last month, taking the first step to pull support for the Saudi-led coalition in the Yemen war. 
The Senate advancing a resolution 63 to 37 that would end U.S. military involvement in that war. Now, lawmakers on both sides were bristling over a number of things, including the absence of the CIA director Gina Haspel at the closed-door briefing before they took the vote. GOP Senator Lindsey Graham publicly asking the president why he hasn't taken a tougher stand in Saudi Arabia and evidence the crown prince had the columnist killed. Graham at first had voted no. He voted no on a resolution to withdraw the U.S. support in Yemen. Now, he says, he's voting yes, telling reporters, I changed my mind because I'm pissed. There you go. You know, I would like to talk to Lindsey Graham. We're, we're trying to seek out policy expert or two. I'm confused by this whole thing. As, as I've made clear in the past, the Khashoggi thing is disgusting. I mean, it's morally reprehensible, but that sort of thing happens every day in the Middle East. The Saudis, our good buddies, the Saudis, snuff dissidents routinely. As do the Iranians and the Iraqis and God help us, Syria, look at Syria. So the idea that one guy getting knocked off would derail our entire regional foreign policy is just crazy. Even something as as bold-faced and idiotic, frankly as the snuffing of this Saudi dissident, who was a, a former insider power yeah. broker. Yeah. So, Lindsey Graham, of course, Lindsey wants to intercede everywhere, but if, if we end our backing for the Saudis, that seeds Yemen to Iranian-backed rebels. And and they're right next door to Saudi Arabia. So we'd be saying, hey, Saudi, I know you're you're like the linchpin of our Middle Eastern policy, right. and you're our, our best buddy there, but... We're going to let your mortal sworn enemy, not only political enemy, but religious enemy, we're going to let him get right on your border, bristling with arms, because we're mad that you knocked off this Washington Post columnist. That, that seems crazy to me. That seems like a childlike spasm of pique, not this smart foreign policy. And I just, I don't get where Lindsey Graham and others are coming from. And I fully admit, maybe it's something I just don't understand, but I'd like to hear it. All right, shifting gears, a report that is getting a lot of attention. It turns out Americans are not living as long these days, and the CDC is blaming it on increases in suicides and drug overdoses. Ay, 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 the uh, the oxy, huh? The opioids? Yep, deaths from drug overdoses hitting a new high last year at more than 70,000. 70,000 last year. That's astonishing. Now it dwarfs a a, a car death, automotive death. yes. Yikes! Suicide death rates up 3.7% last year. It was the highest it's been in at least 50 years. More than 47,000 suicides last year. That's more than car wrecks. I'd love to see that broken down by demographics, too, to drill down a little bit into who is offing themselves and start to understand why. Well, the, you know, I could guess. Yeah, but. the drug overdoses are coming uh, are coming down primarily among younger people. Yeah. You know, the suicide rate is sort of spread out fairly evenly amongst uh, different age groups. Right, right. Yeah, boy, that's some troubling stuff. Western society, modern Western society, has some serious flaws in terms of emotional nourishment. Right. And the best book I've read about that is Sebastian Younger's Tribe, which I've recommended many, many times. It, it will It will make you question everything. Now, in probably a productive way, yeah. probably a good way, Western society has terrible deficiencies in terms of nourishing your soul. 
Now, in the world of sport, an American came up short in his bid to become the first U.S. world chess champ since Bobby Fischer, Fabiano Carana, lost a tie-breaking We're event. a nation of immigrants. Lost a tie-breaking event to Norwegian Mag- uh, Magnus Carlsen. What great names. Magnus Carlsen in London. Our own positive Sean kept track of the uh, match. Watched it come down to the final exciting minutes. Well, yeah, this had actually been going on for uh, more than a week now. I watched yeah. uh, many hours of this uh, over the Thanksgiving break. Actually, they were streaming a lot of this live. Right, you right. can watch them play. Uh, so after the, the regulation, they, there were like 10 consecutive draws. Yeah, it was one. 12. They had 12 draws, right. so they went to a shootout. Yeah, essentially right. it turned into speed chess, where now you only have 25 minutes to complete the game as opposed to the regulation 100. And Magnus Carlsen is by far the best speed chess player in the uh-huh. world. And so he actually offered a premature draw in the final match to get it to the speed chess rounds where he knew he had a better advantage. Interesting. And the guy took it, though. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, see, that's yeah, I get it. You know, if you're talking about, a, like, a soccer game or a hockey game or whatever, I, I understand it's a TV show. It's entertainment. It's always bothered me that, all right, we can't get a winner at this sport, so let's play a different sport. It uses the same gear, but it's a different sport. Uh, it, it's always bothered me a little bit, but who cares? Chess, I sit there all, all year for all I care until somebody wins. Why do you change to a different game? There you go. That, no, I don't know. At your news, I'm Marshall Phillips, the Armstrong and Getty Show, the conscience of the nation. Let's fly. Jack, much better chess player than me. I never had the patience. I right. can't concentrate l- like you need to for chess. Right. I can um, never remember how the horse moves. <laughs> Up and over. It's not that Up and over. Uh, and and I've, always, uh, I've always mentioned when we talk about chess that I knew as a little kid, any kid who said chest when they meant chess was a kid not to be taken seriously. That was one of my, <laughs> one of my dividing lines for humanity. <laughs> We all love things that agree with us, and I absolutely love this study. Major Merkin Universities, Yale and Princeton. I said Harvard. I apologize to Princeton. Uh, Big study finds that liberals consistently patronize minorities when they're talking to them. Much more than conservatives do. That doesn't surprise me at all. But that kind of reflects my worldview. We'll talk about that in moments. Stay tuned. It's the Armstrong and Getty Show. Armstrong and Getty. The conscience of the the nation. The Armstrong and Getty Show. Hey, it's the Armstrong and Getty Show. Welcome to it. A lot of good stuff for you. The gift most people want this holiday season. If you have uh, some question marks on your gift-giving list, stay tuned for that. Uh, let's see. What else? What else? What else? What else? Oh, oh. The, the, uh, the odd and intriguing case of Louis C.K.'s girlfriend. And what she's been talking about and the reaction to it. Uh, Stay tuned for that. Believe it or not, it's good stuff. A new study suggests that white Americans who hold liberal socio-political views use language that makes them appear less competent in an effort to get along with racial minorities. 
New research, this is from Yale and Princeton. I went to Princeton. Did you know that, Sean? Like, to, to school there? No, I went to pick up a pizza, though. Okay. <laughs> My uncle and aunt lived right next door to Princeton. I went to Princeton to pick up the pizza. <laughs> I like to say I went to Princeton. How was the pizza at Princeton? Good pizza? Well, I went to a good school. Oh, yeah, it was, uh, yeah, it was great. It was okay. really good, as I recall. Um, uh, where was I? I'm, I'm tempted to, you know, go off on a tangent about, uh, my aunt and uncle and how much I, I like them, but. Plus the talk of pizza distracts you. So oh, God <laughs> knows that's true, Michael. Anyway, racial bias. New research suggests that bias may also shape daily interactions between racial minorities and white people, even those whites who tend to be less quote unquote biased, which is to my mind, a biased way to put the thought. Interestingly enough, but according to news research by one Sydney Dupree, it's a Sydney with a C, I believe it's a, 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 a Ms. Sydney, an assistant professor of organizational behavior at Yale. White liberals tend to downplay their own verbal competence in exchanges with racial minorities compared to how other white Americans act in such exchanges. Many previous studies have examined how people who hold racial bias behave in multiracial settings, but few have studied how whites who are more well-intentioned interact with people of other races. I have a comment on all of this because it's funny how fraught all of these sentences are with judgments and interesting, like, what do you call it, a tell in poker. Um, there's less work that explores how well-intentioned whites try to get along with racial minorities. We want to know their strategies for increasing connections between members of different social groups and how effective these strategies are. Jason Lewis, I think that's his name. He's a, a, a black man. He writes, well, he's a writer. He's a thinker. He, he's been primarily employed by the Wall Street Journal in recent years. Um, he wrote a book that I believe the title of which was uh, Please Stop Helping Us. And the theme of the book is the insidious damage done by patronizing and systematically assuming the patheticness of black America. Treating black people as if they're not worthy of full respect as human beings out of sympathy, out of quote-unquote enlightenment, or as some of those sentences I just read, um, well-intentioned people interact with people of other races. It's a point I've made before, and I think it's worth making again. The ancient expression that the road to hell is paved with good intentions. That's not just a witticism. That It's not just pointing out that, ironically, sometimes when you want to do the wrong, the right thing, a bad thing happens. Isn't that ironic? No, 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 no. It means much more than that. People who believe their intentions are pure view any criticism as impure and bad-intentioned. If you know you're a good person, anybody who's saying your strategy is wrong must be a bad person, or at least a terribly misinformed person. And so you get this righteousness about what you're doing that blinds you, and you go and you go and you go down that road till you're in hell, till you've created misery. The road to hell is paved with good intentions. 
So back to the study. Dupree and her co-author, the first part of it was they looked at Democratic and President and Republican presidential speeches to different audiences over the years. They went to uh, 25 years worth of speeches. Approximately half addressed to mostly minority audiences, like a Hispanic small business roundtable, maybe, or a black church. Uh, then uh, they uh, looked at comparable speeches delivered to mostly white audiences, uh, you know, mostly white church or university, for instance. And the researchers analyzed the text of those two speeches, and in particularly in terms of words related to competence, like assertive, competitive, fancier words, more sophisticated words, and, and words that talked about you people are good, you're cool, you're productive. And then words about warmth and supportive and compassionate and stuff like that. The warmth words really didn't change much at all. But the competence words, the I respect you words, declined significantly when Democrat candidates, Democratic candidates were talking to uh, minority audiences. It was a significant difference. And then they thought, okay, that's politicians. And, you know, you, me, everybody, no matter how you swing, you know politicians, they, they pander and they condescend and they're full of crap, right? I don't care which way you swing. We can all agree on that, right? Well, so they designed a series of experiments in which white participants were asked to respond to a hypothetical or presumed real interaction partner. They were emailing a, a, a person who was given either a, a stereotypically white name like Emily, you know, Caitlin, that sort of thing. The other, a name like Lakeisha, something like that. Participants, liberal participants, systematically dumbed down the email to the black people in a way that the conservative people did not. Now, if you want to presume the best of those lefty people... I suppose it would be, well, those people are downtrodden. They've had bad education systems, uh, discrimination, blah, blah, blah. I, I, want, I want to connect with them, so this is how I'm going to do it. That is condescension, pure and simple. That's insulting, it's hurtful, and it builds a prison. More to come. News next, Armstrong and Getty Show.